0: listening to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we firmly believe that love is the answer and we are spreading it like wildfire. You're invited to come spend time with us in authentic connection, growth, reflection, and celebration. Life coach, author, and speaker, Abigail Gazda, will be sharing amazing humans, living their hearts unleashed to inspire you to do the same you will hear from men women and young people from all industries sharing their insights and inspiration as they have paved their way to their fullest lives here at the hearts unleashed podcast we are turning dreamers into doers so if you are ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams you are in the perfect place with wonderful people here's your host dreamer educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda.
1: All right, all right. You are
0: listening to the Hearts
1: Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. Welcome back, you guys. I have a very special guest that I'm excited to introduce to you, Teresa Snyder. Uh, Teresa is a media host who's interviewed over hundreds of influencers over the last year. I've been watching her come up. I always see her at the latest event. You know, guys, social media world is you can see what your friends are doing without checking in with them. It can get dangerous, but you know, it's really fun to watch the way that Teresa has been moving Grooven all over the nation, meeting new people, um, celebrating them, interviewing them, and helping them share their voice. And I actually met Teresa being interviewed, sharing her voice uh, at an event for icons and leaders and speakers in this world. And she was up on this panel, and I'm listening to her talk, share her amazing story, which I'm going to ask her to share in a minute. And she was talking in this really specific language. And I'm sitting back and I can can tell this, she has this way about her. And after the interview, uh, after the panel, I walk up and we we both look at each other and say, have you done Landmark? (laughs) And it was so perfect because, you know, you can spot someone from a mile away. They say they have certain terms, certain language, again, a certain way of being about them that really just sets you apart from the room or apart from the crowd. And so we had that really special connection. However, we have stayed connected over time. And, you know, Theresa, I have to admit, that's not the first time that that's happened. Uh, After a talk or after I hear someone else talk, we kind of give each other that eye. And so it was great to meet you in a room full of strangers. And so, Welcome. Welcome to the Hearts Leash podcast. Thank you for being who you are. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Oh, thank you so much. And it's so, it's so fun now at this stage in my life to really have a, a space of opening. So I'm going to start it out raw and real. Please. Yes, please. Yeah. So September 16th,
0: 2011,
2: mm-hmm. the only thing I remember was the sounds of the ambulance.
0: Mm.
1: I already had, like, I just got a total chill up my spine.
2: Yeah, you know, and, 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 and I'm I really so careful when I shared this part of the story, but I trust you and I trust your audience. Yeah. And this is really what it's about. It's about being authentic. And, you know, I have for so long put up a front on the outside that everything's okay. Mm -hmm. In so many ways, things really are okay. Yet, in 2011, I turned 40. I had married my corporate career. And that September, I just thought the only thing that I thought would be a solution to the problem was to drink enough vodka or wine to totally numb out. Mm -hmm. And that's so that's what I did. My friends, thank goodness had enough of an inkling of an idea that I hadn't been responding to their messages that they knew something wasn't right. So they wanted to check on me. And you know, call it grace, call it a higher power, call it God, call it just somebody looking out for you on the right day, whatever that may be, is that I did get to wake up. Now it didn't stop me completely from living in a pity party and so on and so forth until December and december twenty second of two thousand and eleven is when I decided, man, that was my rock bottom, and everybody has their view or their point or their low, or you know I think everybody 's experienced it, and we still have ebb and flow up in out of life, we still get faced with death, we still get faced with um you know emotional situations or or financial strife, for the economy, or the weather, or whatever, you know what I mean? But it's just from that point in 2011, to now, I put myself inside of the world of landmark, or mastermind groups, or friends, or the people I associate with. Yeah, yeah. Like you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: you. And man, thanks for thanks for sharing, because I mean, not everybody's into sharing the most dirty details of their life. And yet here you are starting with that fact. And just, you said something that I really wanted to point to was you were too busy putting up that front on the outside that everything's okay. And I'm sure you're speaking to a lot of people about that and the way that everything is falling apart behind the scenes, behind closed doors, after work, at night, when no one really does check in or look around, you know. And so it's such a skeleton in the closet kind of experience. And everyone's got, not everyone, right? Like we do our work and we clear that stuff, but we've all got get to that point where we really feel like we're running a dog and pony show, trying to make it look like we really have it all together when we're... Falling apart inside. Explain a little bit more about that experience for someone else who might be going in, be in the midst of that right now.
2: Ooh, it's so good, and thanks for the question. And I also wanted to point to for those that listen that have not read your book because I literally (laughs) devoured your book that day on the plane, (sighs) like devoured it and related and small town girl and wanted to have the picturesque life and played sports, all that stuff. So truly my way I'm a you know I read so much your book is so good thank you so and much. we didn't even talk about that it's just that <laughs> it is so good and yeah. that's part of it because you let me in inside your world of knowing that it's not always perfect mm-hmm. and there are times and I've said this and I and, and it's the truth and it's meant to be humorous but it's meant to be reality I get jealous of my own Facebook highlight reel <laughs> I love that. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like I say that because we do, we put, uh, and that's why nowadays I'm so much more okay with an imperfect article or an imperfect interview is better than a forced outcome. Yes. And so the definition of forced outcome is put the lipstick on the pig, make things happen, make things look a certain way. And I heard someone recently speaking at an event and he said, you know, these quote unquote gated communities,
0: mm-hmm.
2: good, bad or indifferent. We're so busy that we lock the gate. We shut the garage door. We lock the front door. We make sure we have a security camera because by golly, I don't want anyone to see that I have dirty laundry. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not so much about like maybe safety, but safety of your ego.
2: Oh, <laughs> you know? that is so good. That's a, <laughs> or a repeat. Like that's a captured moment, you guys, really. Like yeah. it's not your safety. It's the safety of your ego.
1: Yeah, yeah. big time. And, and I think we get, the, I, I really believe that that's where so much of the anxiety comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, that stress, that, that braced for impact is like, oh shit,
2: if they find me out. You know and you know it's so interesting again because i love research and i really study you know uh, history and people and all that kind of stuff you know statistically they say that the youth nowadays which is now gen z we i just looked that up the other day yeah it's crazy gen z so gen z is experiencing more anxiety yeah. than kids that were raised 30 in the 30s 1930s in depression yeah, the 40s and 50s and all that kind of coming of age thing. And you just go, are you kidding me? Well, it's because of that instantaneous, yeah. You know, social media, these things that are just right there. It's no longer about writing the long love letter to the war-torn um fiance that's yeah. really battling life. It's more like photo filters and things. Would you agree with that? Like yeah, what's your okay. take on that? Like I love tossing conversation back and forth. Cause it's so good.
1: No, totally. And it is interesting because so Gen Z, I have a little cousin. So we were all sitting on the porch the other day and he wanted, he wanted to get inside, play his video game, which, you know, no big deal, but we were just, we, we really were like, are you Gen Y? We And so that came, that conversation came up, but I have a couple younger cousins who, And then when I was a teacher, I saw that, that these, these kids, they, they know, even, even the fact that they know what anxiety is like, because I remember, um, and I think I'm considered a millennial. So that's, that's my group, but it was so odd because I didn't know what anxiety was until college. Mm
0: -hmm. I
1: was rocking along in high school, doing my thing, but then all like at semester, the first semester where finals came around, I had so much chest pain and my throat was so tight that I had this like panic attack and I had never had one in my whole life. And I was like, what is this? I think I need to go to the hospital. And then after I didn't do anything about it, I I took a nap, you know, I was taking care of myself, but right after finals, my all of that pain went away. My Mm -hmm. body relaxed and I go, "Oh!" I was like, I think that's what anxiety is. Or I think I just experienced anxiety. And so I didn't even know that even though that I was a high achiever and I liked to win and I, I really liked to compete. I didn't really experience what I knew to be anxiety. And so I think that while I really love it, um, the normalization of mental health, it is also teaching children so much younger what some of these mental illnesses are. And they're gaining access to like verbiage that we just, I don't think that we had. Um, And especially like you were talking about the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, my parents' generation, many people in my parents' generation talk about how they actually needed mental health support and didn't have it. And that was their brand of struggle. And now we kind of I don't want to say like put it in everyone's face because I'm actually an advocate of it, but sure. it's, it's that we're kind of handing over some terms and things that people don't fully understand. So they're like, I think I have anxiety. Right. You know, and <laughs> so it's
2: flippant, Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of like, you know, all these, cause I spent some, you know, i taught school also and then I spent so much time in the medical community and all that. But then you kind of, we start to label things. Right. And we think that a label, whoa, I must have ADD or ADHD or, and then I'm not discounting those that do at all. Like, yeah, I also didn't know. And I'm like, my, this is kind of interesting. My 30 year class reunion is in a couple of weeks. I'm like, 30 years? I swear to God, I'm still in college. Like, really? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? But I was in the gap because I'm turning 48 Yep. And so I'm in the gap where I still learned on a typewriter, wrote my thesis on a typewriter. And then I went out door to door cells. Like you map, like you unfold the map to find the yeah. business. You have the yellow pages. Yes. You, you literally you beat the streets and, and farming and all of that kind of relativity that I bring to it. Yeah. I didn't have time to sit around and think about some of the things that maybe, mm. maybe, and I'm not a mom, right? So I also preface I'm not a mom. I don't want people to like start sending me mail. <laughs> no, if- no. Well, and you know you
1: said um, it's interesting because my group is the first group that would be considered digital natives, meaning cuz like my middle school is when you were on computers, right? And so we were raised up in that world. And my group is about the first group where we still remember what it's like to not be allowed in the house during summer, get your butt outside, go do something, go play mm-hmm. with your friends, go experience boredom and fill the time, right? Yes. And we also, though, were the first cell phones and the, <laughs> and watch that evolution and, and internet getting more like common in each household. So It is an interesting phase because I do feel like, you know, anxiety or all, and I love how you throw out ADHD there because it's such a common term that if people, I think the best example in my mind is the word retarded. I am not a fan of when someone uses it as a a bash or a slang or a, um, a hurtful word because we're misusing the actual mental retardation, that label right? And so someone's like, oh yeah, I have ADHD. And it's like, but do you? And so same with anxiety, but do you? Depression, but do you? Because there's a difference Mm -hmm. between having depressed and suppressed feelings and and a lot of sadness versus depression. Mm
2: -hmm. And so
1: I'm an advocate for people understanding the actual differences between those two. So I'm glad that you bring that up.
2: Well, and it's like you said, it's again, because I think we have some, so many similarities that you and I are both, I'm going to say nerdy enough, right? <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, you know, I don't believe in beauty pageants as much as I believe in like, let's get, let's, let's get dirty. You know what I mean? Let's get messy or whatever. And anyway, that's a whole nother thing. But it's like, you know, you look at the world of language. This is a table because we decided it's a table. Yes, right. And I'm pointing to a table if this is a podcast, but you know, this is a table because it's a table. But then we also I've seen and noticed again, because I taught middle school last year, we use cop outs. And that's just what it is. I call it like it is. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm not buying that i yes. just not. And let's sit down and talk it out. Let's look at some processes. Let's look at some actual scenarios. And then if you need the help that you need, of course, right? Like I was in Vegas a couple of years ago, had a full-on anxiety attack. I know what that's like. I mm-hmm. also know tools and how to now. And, and I, I want to bring a little bit of sports analogy into this because this is my favorite analogy in playing team sports. It's like when, if I missed a three-point shot, which we only had the three-point shot my senior year in high school, <laughs> Yes. right? So in 1988, is when the three-point shot, they even pared down to where the girls got the smaller basketballs, right? So yes. again, if you're listening, it is what it is. But the three-point shot was not around until my senior year. But if I missed it, because I was a guard, if I missed it and I hung on to that, and couldn't get off it and get back down and rebound and play and have my team in mind and then get back to play offense. I ended up on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. And rightly so. Not, Oh, I think I'm having some anxiety over my shot and I missed it. And it's like, no, I mean, back in my day, there was discipline. You ran lines. I mean, our coaches were tough on us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and was Kind of like a roundabout way of just bringing it back to what is so, what is really so.
1: Right. You know, I, I love that you're telling saying that because there's what happens and then the story about what happens. Right. And so you're what's so makes such a difference because, and I actually, I want to bring it in. It's the, you, you said the word cop out. And I love that because Sometimes people's response, especially when I'm coaching them say, oh, that's the way that I am. Oh, that's the way that it is. That's not the way that it is. That's the story you have about the way that it is. I was even walking home last night and I'm thinking, I live in California and it's like, well, who says so? Like this, who named this territory? And like, a bird flies through here. I, I, a bird was like flying. I'm like, that bird does not know it's in California. It's like just uh, existing, right? So I know we're getting like real conceptual here, but I bring in it back. I love
2: okay. conversations,
1: Is that it's all made up.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I caught this the most. Now to bring it back to where we started is like, I, when I was dealing with sadness, especially out of divorce, Mm -hmm. I started going to a support group and I noticed how everyone was telling their version of their story. And then so much of the way they were being lived into the truth of that story, solidifying the story. And I didn't know that I was doing that until I saw other people like in heavy, heavy into their story. And I'm like, you're like kind of, it's that self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. And so the whole, that's the way that I am. I have anxiety. I'm a divorcee. Like you're basically putting yourself in a box and then buying into your own belief system, which I love breaking that up because if you really dream about the life you dream about, you're going to have to
2: De- debunk that story mm-hmm. And I love it because I have a um, a Course leader friend or, or You know a speaker because Again now that I'm living an elevated life And when you live an elevated life There's different Concerns that come about Yet whenever I go And again it's not about being better than or less than But you know it's still it's like I gotta grind up Like grind it up Like when am I going to stop being the eight year old little girl that says my mom didn't get to go to college because of me. Yeah. Yeah. My Mother was just here this weekend. Loves me so much. It's ridiculous. My parents love me and it's like, Oh 8 year old little girl has it that she wasn't wanted. Oh, really? <laughs> How
1: long you got. <laughs> I
2: mean, okay, maybe they didn't, but they were young, dumb parents, who could blame them, I and mean, so I got to get that stuff kind of taken care of, handled, complete, handled in the twelve step of, um, you know, a, the amends process, or handled inside of the world of landmark, where you, you have conversation, like, I tell my brother all the time, not necessarily all the time, but once I got aware of it, it must have been hard to have a type A sister, yeah, yeah, seriously, Yeah. Like, he was the natural athlete and I'm the one going dadgummit get up and get your grades going. Cause you can go to college on a basketball scholarship and I can't. Mm-hmm. Yep. Get over yep. myself really, <laughs> you know, like seriously. So yes, if I continue living into the unfulfilled prophecy that I'm going to create as the fulfilled, it's kind of like creating mantras or possibilities, or, um, you know, there's a lot of buzzwords around it yet. I love creating freedom and fun and ease and adventure and, 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 and enrolling others and participating in that kind of fun. There, now, and I was just on a mastermind today. My genius is not logistics. It's just sister. Hey, like, I'm like, Who's gonna edit this podcast? Somebody, 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 right? Yeah, there are people that my highlight reel for the um, Oscars night. Yeah, Tony that did my reel. Like he spent hours on that, and I'm like, it's freaking awesome. I would have been like, cut paste, zoom zoom, yeah, eh, eh. you know what I mean. Like that's not my genius. Yeah, my yeah. genius is conversations. Yes,
1: I would love to speak to that for a second because. I'm, I'm reading The Big Leap right now, which I, I uh, uh, Gary Hendricks, right? I, I'm pretty sure, I, I'll have to look it up and I'll put okay. a link in it for the, okay. in the show notes, but he writes the whole book about living the difference between your zone of expertise and your zone of genius. There's other zones which are, you know, down the, on the lower end of the spectrum, And I love how you said, like, it's not about better than or less than, but really you can raise your vibration and you can enjoy life a lot more. And life's just cooler up there. It really is. You know, you don't want to live in the lower vibrations. It's, It's grief and anger and sadness and resentment. You just, you don't have to. And so, but our zone of excellence is where we learned how to excel. It's kind of more of our adapted skills. Like you said, type A, right? Like got to do it right, got to do it well. I was definitely like that. And I, I created a lot of achievements out of it, but I was also exhausted. And I also mm-hmm. doubted my worth. And I also you know wondered if I was good enough all the time. And I, I made the achievement or the thing make me mean I was good enough, but from your zone of genius, like you're talking about conversation, you just shine. Like I do see your highlight reel and it, you can, like the smile that is plastered on your face, like says it all. And so your energy and the way that you're mingling so naturally with people, like you can tell it's not forced. You can tell you're out there to like live your, your truth and like who you are to be right. So share a little bit more about that. What did you have to give up in order to step into your zone of genius?
2: That is so good. And I would say there are a couple of different things. And one of the things I had to give up is that there was this so-called way that a female is supposed to live. Like the white picket fence, 2.2 children. You know, the SUV going to soccer practice, that's all fine. It's just my life is more fun and fulfilled and have more I have more freedom when I'm out experiencing life. Mm-hmm. I get away from the computer or the electronics. I get I get away and I get out and I get with people. Mm-hmm. And I know early on we talked about can that be taught? And for me I say yes. And I think that it's just kind of gamify it or play, it. you know what I mean? Yes. If someone's genius is spreadsheets or whatever that, okay. You know what I mean? Mine happens to be that I can connect people even in uncomfortable situations. I worked for hospice for four years. It was my favorite job ever. And people are like, how did you do that? It's because that's when it's the real deal. It's like, you're really talking about it. So that helped me come into a journey or a space of looking at what's important. How do you live life on purpose? How do you live like you're dying? How do you have a Nickelback song, whatever that Nickelback song is? You know what I mean? Like literally like you really are doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so tell us about what you are really doing.
2: Yay. That is so good. It's really, I'm creating conscious conversations and it took me a while to go, wow, I can go get a job at a network television show reporting on certain quote unquote bad news or yeah. fake news or whatever. That's not what I'm about. So luckily with the internet and luckily with zoom and luckily with podcasting or whatever you want to call it, it's allowed me to get into the space of asking people the real questions. Yes. And at first they're a little bit taken back at times. You know what I mean? Yet I know, if it's content or a conversation that somebody that maybe hears it, listens to it, watches it, is going to find value in it, then I know it's forwarding kind of my mission or purpose. And my mission and purpose is to really allow people to be themselves. Yeah. To really allow themselves to be in a conversation where it's a whole lot less judgment and a whole lot more love and a whole lot more, peace and a whole lot less stress, you know, and, and yes, I get it. Sometimes that may sound like cliche to some people. It's just been there, done that where I had a six figure job and not that those things aren't nice. I get it. More money allows more freedom. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what is on my plate right now that's confronting is the next impactor. Mm yeah being a Vienna finalist in an international competition where this is their very first round they've designed a competition based on similar shows that are on network television like america's got talent the voice you know all those shows where this is really as an impactor, or what impact are you making out in the world i love that
1: i really uh, love
2: that you
1: know and Bless the talent shows because it's for people to get where they're going and everything Mm -hmm. like that. But the fact that they're making a show like this, does show the again the raising of the frequency right like we're putting a different priority on it instead of like because it used to be so much like sex cells drama cells you know and reality TV is half like this is just like eating junk food and I know everybody knows that and I know everybody acknowledges that and then we still tune in. And oh, like,
2: I still watch The Bachelorette. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> I go, like, e- 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 you know it every time. And
1: So much to, yeah, there's so much to that. And then, um, it's crazy. And then what we, we do, it's like watching a train wreck or whatever, but for, and, or like the news, like I very intentionally, I don't have TV. I'll tune into like, you know, Netflix, I love me some Netflix, but, um, the news and just, I know there's all those conversations about it, but it's like, it is like eating junk food. And I was at someone else's house like last month and they had the news on in the background and we were cooking And I could hear it. And I was starting to hunch over. I noticed my face like grimacing. And I was like, can we turn the news off? Can we turn anything else on? Because it's just like all that stuff. And so it's cool to hear that a show like The Next Impact is coming out. And also, I wanted to speak to you and what you're doing and the way that you interview people asking more conscious questions, not the run of the mill like, how many followers you have? Like, or like, you know, talking about something that, you know, in our interviews or in trainings. I actually want to say to that in trainings, they just talk about like, what's your hook? What's your soundbite? What's your, how are you going to get them in? And it's usually some dramatic thing. And it's not just like, Hey, you can live your heart unleashed or Hey, you can have your dreams. Like it's gotta be something super catchy. So Tell us how you're catching the attention of the of the media, or how
2: you got involved
1: with the Next Impactor.
2: And that's a great question. And really, it kind of came about, I would say, for me, on accident, because so many of the contestants happen to be in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So for them, there are a lot of them, and there are 25 finalists now, and I don't know the exact percentage, but I would. Yes, a large percentage of them happen to live in Chicago because they're kind of in a co-op together. They know each other. They all were brainstorming around the, the show idea. I caught yeah. it and I was like, I want to be in it. And again, I don't really know. But then once I, it's kind of like the registration form, whenever you really, when you sign up for something and you're like, yeah, I really want to sign on to it. And you don't know what it's going to look like and they don't yeah. it's the wild, wild west of a new show. Yeah. And I jokingly tell people that because we have to give a lot of grace. Yeah. Because we we're all figuring it out. Now next season they already know what that's gonna look like and they're already, you know, promoting it from the standpoint of how it's gonna look. Yet for me, it's forced me in a good way to get out of my comfort zone. It's forced me to put myself out there. It's forced me and force is not the right word. I don't know what word would you say? Like I don't know. (laughs) Fire. It's a little little fire. (laughs) It's inspired me. It's inspired me to wake up and have more conscious conversations. Yeah. It's inspired me to volunteer more. It's inspired me to work with the youth in a different way, not just for money. You know what I mean? Like, like, and the challenges that showed up inside of the next impactor, there were 50 of us. We were divided into five teams. Each team had a coach and we had a project every single week. One of the projects was go out into the community and do random acts of kindness and catch it on video. You really have to go, one, we're gonna film it. Well, one of the teams, not my team in particular, one of the teams, I loved it. They literally went and bought bouquets of roses and individually handed out roses to the moms that were coming out of the supermarket Dragon kids, you know, loads of groceries, tired. And that was one of their random acts of kindness. And those are the kinds of things that light me up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's the kind of contest that it is. And, and yes, are there still egos? Yes. Or there's still, am I good enough? Are there still the, am I doing enough? Should I care? Should I not care? Are my friends winning? Should I let them win? You still have all that. do i have to give up every day i have to give up my ego and i have to get into a place of gratitude and how can i make a contribution and that at the end of the day some way somehow it will masterfully work out the way it's supposed to
1: yeah yeah and it's beautiful you say it
2: that way because
1: if this doesn't work out you know it doesn't mean you're not an impactor. It doesn't mean you're not a conscious minded individual, you know, and that is, I would love for the listeners to hear that. Cause I think you and I have both, like we could go on for endless examples about the role that didn't pan out or the title we never got or the image that never came to fruition. And when you have enough of those examples in life, you could put them in your back pocket and walk around with that jaded, you know, way of being that all that evidence you collect that life doesn't go the way you want, and maybe you're not who you think you are, and it really causes you to doubt yourself. But I usually only ask this question like a coaching conversation. But like, besides the title, if you're not who you are, who is Teresa
2: Snyder? Mm. That is really good, and that's a great question, and. Who I am is a loving, grateful, fun individual that really wants to connect with humanity and connect at a level, meet people where they are, yet also know I can take them along on the journey and the ride. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I put in my bio today is it's on my mind to create an adventure-style mastermind. Mm -hmm. And that is so... Because I want the experiential. It may be that we go there and people work on a chapter in their book. That's okay, too. It's still the adventure. They may wear GoPro cameras and go parasailing. They may have to lock their phone in their room for two days. That in and of itself is an adventure. And so that's what I'm creating. And it's going to be a resort style, yet get muddy and hopefully bring a humanitarian type of component into it. Mm -hmm. And what I'm looking for is a team of people that want to go on that journey with me, that their genius may be logistics. Their genius may be back of the room support or whatever, Mm -hmm. because I can't necessarily do it alone. If I do it alone, yeah, I can do it. I'm not gonna say I can't.
1: Right, you know totally I mean? you can do it.
2: <laughs> no, like I'll white knuckle it. I'll get it done. But people won't be contributing and um, engaging and being fulfilled. And yeah. I really believe that that's the beauty of it is creating the atmosphere where it 's not going to be pay to play per se I mean i don 't know those are still things i 'm working out. I just want people to have the experience
1: yeah it 's really cool because when you were answering that that question, the fun, the grateful, the consciousness like really and naturally what you 're up to showed up into the answer because you're bring you bring people together, like you are a catalyst for connection, and I, I love that phrase. And I love when I meet other people who are, because your passion is highlighting people's, um, unique zones of genius. Like you're right about, you can type a that, and you could totally force the outcome and create it. But I, even in my own life being type a and liking to do the same exact thing, I have noticed, like, if I slow down long enough, and I look around, I notice that people aren't having any fun in that situation, right? Like they're mm-hmm. just like I'm trying the one man band and like playing the drums and running over and playing the bass and then trying to the sing <laughs> <and people laughs> try like get real. Like I want to watch that concert. Like, you know what I mean? People would rather be
2: playing. And um, oh, oh, that's such a and I do. I want to take a moment and acknowledge that. Example, yeah. and recently I put a quote Is it lonely at the top? And what does that mean to people? Yeah. you know, like I don't want it to be lonely at the top, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes, we can elevate, but I can bring people with me, exactly. Hey, a- our concert, <laughs> right? Like, our concert, like, I need a drummer or a singer, I don't do the acrobatic fun crap, but it's still, it's so much more fun when it's a group and it's a, uh, I don't know, it's juicy that way to me. Yeah. Yeah, truly. And,
1: and you know what I noticed when I, when I stopped doing the one man band and I, I let other people shine. Cause I think that was an insecurity is like, well, if I'm the organizer, I got to be the best, do the best and like, look like the best it was i didn't even realize i was capping other people's greatness like oh, that's
2: so good
1: and it's it was super embarrassing to admit like i mean it, when i first saw that for myself i i like visually it's like having my hands out and holding people down so my head could pop up over the crowd and it was like i I never, never from like a malicious place. I was definitely doing that in my life. And when I saw it, I just sobbed because I I thought of like five people to call about like, I'm sorry, I'm an ass, you know? And, but, but what, what got great about life after that fact was letting other people play and meeting them so brand new, like, you're really good at the drums oh my (laughs) or you know i know i'm I'm still talking about it
2: but still but that's the thing and what if we would have never ever let them pick the drumsticks up because we're over there handling it you know so i love that analogy of how you just said that because i just visualize that i'm such a visual that i see it like i'm pushing people down and you know and i've been a group fitness instructor for 23 years and I just have gotten present the last few months of how much I resonate with the people in the back of the room that don't get the beat. And it's because I'm that person too. The amount of hours I have to practice at home before going and teaching that class is, it just isn't necessarily natural, but yep. it's my endorphin high. And that's why I want to connect. I want others to feel comfortable. I want to let other people shine. So yeah. I know. Yeah.
1: And we've, we've, this interview has just gone so long. Oh, I'm, just oh I'm losing track. Yep, I could talk all day. So, uh-huh. um, definitely. And, and just to wrap up that thought, though, is your, your zone of genius is to really connect and relate with people as opposed to actually running the fitness class. Now, I think this is a great um, awareness, though, because so many men and women are applying their zone of genius to their zone of excellence and that is such a round peg square hole feeling and so they think they're not good at what they're actually they are great at and so thanks for bringing that to the conversation and so th- and thanks for bringing who you are to the conversation you're right i could talk to you all day that, that felt like 5 minutes honestly and I know, so
2: I, know. I have another interview at the top of the hour just Right. That's the only thing that's going to keep me from wanting to talk to you all day. Not know, the only right? Thing. right. Let me edit whoever your edit person is. Yep.
1: <laughs> oh, that's okay. Yeah. I think we have to go ahead and cut the top of the hour combo. Um, and so Teresa, thank you so much for being with us. If you could leave our listeners, especially based on all that we've talked about today, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice or just something to take into their lives today, what would you love
2: to tell them? go be unabashedly yourself, Mm. like be childlike, allow your heart to be unleashed today, literally try it on. If that's not comfortable, just take it on, drive with the music loud, roll down the windows, let your dog eat the McDonald's fries. Just (laughs) be unabashedly yourself because it's so fun when you have that freedom. Yeah. I love
1: that. I love that. So where can people start to follow all of your inspiration you're putting out in the world?
2: Right. Hey, so Teresa360.com is all, it's my show notes. It's everything social media wise. And then the next if people want to find out more about the next impactor, whether it's me, the other contestants or the show itself.
1: Yeah. And so it's a voting system, right? Can we still do a vote? So you guys, listeners, please go over. So it's nextimpactor.com.
2: Yes, it is. It is. It's the nextimpactor.com. The votes, we have set it up several different avenues. Votes are 99 cents per vote, yet you get a whole lot of value when you vote. You get coaching from me is one of the options, or you can buy a table or you can donate to a nonprofit and those votes count. There's ways that people can participate. And if money's really your hangup, listen, I have a production coordinator now that she's just generously setting up my interviews because she wants to be a contribution. So don't think that it's just gonna cost money. Mm-hmm. It's really, the finale is a red carpet finale, August 30th in Chicago. If, if that's the place you wanna come celebrate with all of us, Cool. Anyone is welcome and invited, just the next impactor.com or Teresa 360.com.
1: Awesome. And believe it or not, we have a lot of Chicago Lamb listeners. and so if someone does want to get involved and be there or maybe be at the table or support you or sponsor you, uh, how can they reach out
2: directly to you? Ooh, that is so good. Again, Teresa 360.com is going to have you can text message me, call me, email me. Everything is at Teresa and then the number 360 com. And if you are wanting to sit at my table, you want to be part of the, of the red carpet, it's going to be at the Stan Mansion in Chicago on Friday, August 30th.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today, Teresa. Who you are is just love and light and play and joy. And it's such a pleasure to get to talk to you and have you on the Hearts Unleashed podcast. Uh,
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have a long acknowledgement for you, girl, and you are an amazing, wonderful, extraordinary human. Thank you.
1: And thank you, hearts. Thanks for being here. Thanks for opening up. Thanks for being like us and being willing to live without those labels, being willing to just rewrite your story and check into who you actually are as opposed to what you're doing in this world. Keep it up. I love you guys.